Welcome to all of the things. Since all of you have been busy with your own things this week, we've rounded up anything and everything that's making major headlines and filling your news feeds. I'm Fumi Akinyade. And I'm Johnny Churchill. And we're about to break down all of the things. What's up? What's up, guys? Oh my God, I missed you all last week, but don't worry. We're here. We're queer. Get used to it. Jenny. What's your thing this week? Whoa, um, I feel like I want to hear more about your thing. Uh, but I've always loved that slogan. I think it's like one of the best. <laughs> All right. I really do. Uh, well, I've got a lot of interweb stories uh, headed your way today. So I thought it would only be natural if my thing was a new book that I'm currently reading right now. It's okay. called... Switch it on them. Well, it's called The Idealist, and it's about Aaron Schwartz and the rise of free culture on the internet. Uh, and it tells the story of Aaron's uh, crazy court case against the government and his subsequent death. And it is by Justin Peters. So if you have any interest whatsoever in what happened to Aaron, as well as like copyright information policy concepts of like a free and open internet, anything like that, it's super, super interesting and really, really well done so far. It's, it's a great read and it's an important story. Okay. Okay, yeah. um, my thing this week um, is, I guess it's kind of an attack on the internet and what? the media. I feel lately we've been acting like friendships didn't exist until Taylor Swift's Bad Blood video came out. Like, ever since then, everyone is like, oh my god, squad, female friendships, it's so crazy. Like, <laughs> so I watched the Grammys, right? And yeah. like, during, I guess, like, she arrived with Selena Gomez, and the world freaked out. Oh my God. Taylor and her bestie is just so annoying to me because I'm just like, guys, you know, like, we were friends before. Like, girls, like, girls are friends with girls all the time. It's nothing groundbreaking. People hype up the fact that people always trying to act like women are just always so bitchy towards each other. And that's why they're like, oh my yeah, God, they're friends. And this is like, not, this never happens. It's like, it does. People are friends all the time. It's, it's nothing new. But whatever. <laughs> you know what? what else isn't new? Our thing that's still a thing. Still a thing this week, law enforcement is trying to relate to the people. That's a new thing. They've never tried to do that, actually, <laughs> so I disagree. I was waiting for you to say that. Uh, last year, Obama put together a task force to come out with recommendations on how to improve relations between the police and the people. Okay. And uh, now there's a three-part guide series that's attempting to help cops do just that. Okay. The, the guidebooks were put together by the Vera Institute of Justice, and the group worked with 63 police officers, which seems like a this really... This seems like a really small number. What well, seems really random, right? Like, not 60, not 65, 63. Should like, have 69. The last two that couldn't hey. get in. That's super mature. Thank you. Um, but so those police officers worked with experts to compile the guides and the purpose is to provide a perspective on the diverse communities of America that they're policing that they're policing okay. while offering ideas to improve the relationships between the cops and the communities that they serve uh, that they may not inherently relate to. I'm ha <laughs> I'm happy that this guidebook exists like cool but I'm also just like I'm not even trying to be super cynical, but I don't see what this is going to accomplish. Like, I don't feel the cops are going to read this guidebook and be like, you know what? I need to change my ways. I get it now. I need to be more accepted. Like, <laughs> I need to recognize that I have stereotypes ingrained in my head that's just going to affect my, like, I don't think that's going to happen. So no. um, maybe no, 
some consequences or something if you don't follow the guidebooks. <laughs> something like that to actually well, the guide- evoke some sort of change. I, I totally agree. However, uh, let's keep in mind these are guidebooks, which means they are a guideline, not a rule. <laughs> okay. um, but anyways, let's move on to the new things this week. Our first new thing of the week involves Cuba. Guess what, Cuba? We're coming for ya. Um, now, U.S. and Cuba, they signed a deal Tuesday restoring commercial air traffic between the two countries, and this is the first time in over 50 years. Um, what it would do is that it would allow 20 U.S. flights to uh, Havana, in addition to the current 10 to 15 charter flights a day that already exist. Now, before you start booking tickets, hold off. U.S. visitors still have to qualify under one of the uh, travel categories that are currently authorized by the U.S. government. Um, Unfortunately, tourism still is not one of them yet, but Mm. they've got a lot of leeway, so I'm sure you can find a little way to, like, finesse your way into Cuba. Don't worry. And that's not it. We're not only going to be getting a lot of uh, U.S. civilians there, there's also going to be a factory built and operating in Cuba um, it's coming from Kleber LLC. They're a company based in Alabama, so Alabama's making some moves. Um, and what they do is they build factors for small farms. Uh, they're hoping to start production as early as 2017. But wait, that's not it. What? There's yes. more? There's more Americans coming to invade Cuba. President Obama, he's supposed to be making a trip during the middle of March. Wow. I mean, Cuba's about to be popping. No. Nah. Hey. See, I disagree. I'm going out on a limb here, and I'm just going to say I think Cuba's over. You think Cuba's... That sounds yeah. really dark. I think it's over. <laughs> I think once the norm core gets there, and there's just like weird Americans wandering around, it's like the appeal Whatever, is gone. Man. The only reason I want to go is because I can't go. Don't you understand that? I'm trying to go to Cuba. Cuban cigars. So, yeah, I mean, it definitely looks like we'll be seeing a lot more of Cuba, but let's move on to something else it looks like we'll be seeing a lot more of. Unfortunately... It's not a good thing. It's called ransomware, and it is nasty. This week, we learned that Hollywood Presbyterian Medical Center was the target of a ransomware attack that was actually launched on February 5th. Now, you may be asking yourself, what is ransomware? Don't worry. I got your back. Uh, It is malware that basically does one of two things. It either locks your screen or your keyboard so you can't do anything, or... It encrypts your files. So it's it's a malware that gets in and it will encrypt all your files so you can't access any of your files now Ooh. unless you have a key that the person who's holding you oh. for ransom provides you with to unlock that computer or, or unencrypt the files. The world is a fucked up place. Yeah, so <laughs> the, evil. the uh, medical center had the encryption kind of malware. It was first reported that the center's files were uh, encrypted and would continue to be encrypted until $3.4 million were paid to the hackers in Bitcoin, obviously. But Wednesday night, we learned that hackers were actually paid off a measly $17,000 worth of Bitcoins, which equals all. Yeah, it's only like 40 um, when you do the conversion. But by the time the case was reported to authorities on Monday, the medical center had already paid that amount. So wait, so, they reported it after yes. they... So what's the point of reporting it? Um, I guess so you can catch the people who did it, um, but they were like, we need our files. But the good oh, news is true. it didn't really impact patients. Um, okay. Basically, the only thing was 911 calls. Those patients were diverted to different hospitals. Mm. And uh, you had a situation where people were keeping medical records on paper instead of in the computer, which 
creates a cluster when you have to go put all that stuff back in. And also you don't have access to your previous health records because uh. everything's digital now. But the LAPD and the FBI are currently investigating and uh, ransomware is something you're going to be hearing about. It's becoming more and more popular. And I actually saw a really interesting uh, article in the registrar that compared uh, ransomware to the clap. They said it's oh spreading like the clap. Okay, that's great. <laughs> I'm, this is great visuals for me that I'm, that I'm thinking of right now. Now, <laughs> like we just found out, technology can make things more complicated, which brings us actually to our next new thing. Um, Apple CEO Tim Cook announced this week that he intends to fight a court order stating Apple must unlock the iPhone of one of the San Bernardino shooters. Uh, so this is this some backstory about this. Now, the, the phone that the FBI wants access to is the iPhone 5C that belonged to Saeed Rizwan Farouk, who, you know, with his wife, killed 14 people when they shot up a civic service center in San Bernardino. The FBI has been unable to unlock the phone of Saeed, and they then got a federal judge to issue a court order for Apple to provide, quote, reasonable technical assistance to help un unlock the phone. Now, pretty much what that means is that the court wants Apple to create a, uh, a new version of the iPhone operating system that they would then install on the iPhone 5C that would um, circumvent security features and give them full access. Tim Cook is calling this a backdoor, and now he's pretty much saying that once we do this, there's absolutely no turning back, and they don't want to create this master key that anyone can access. Um, so far, Apple has corroborated with the other things that they're requesting. They sent um, Apple engineers to go advise the bureau. They complied with all the subpoenas and search warrants, but this is where they're drawing the line. Their fears, of course, is that this could end up in the wrong hands or that once they give the government this, there's going to be no stopping them. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. You've got kind of a twofold problem here, right? You've got a situation where um, if you do create this backdoor entry into this one specific iPhone, there's no telling uh, who could get a hold of that, uh, any mm -hmm. hacker. Also, too, you're setting a, a precedent, a legal precedent, where, the, okay, no one cares about this cell phone because it's a dead terrorist, right? Mm -hmm. But here's the thing they can then use this in the future and they know then this technology exists and all they have to do is ask for it in any case and the most disturbing part of it is the reason that they can't have someone else build this backdoor yeah. is because there's a thing on apple phones where they would have to update that phone's ios and iphones are made so that you can only update uh from an apple verified ios okay so um once they do that, they could theoretically, um, let's say they're looking into you and they think that you're doing something sketchy. They could send that one specific iOS update to your phone remotely oh. and be able to change anything in your phone at that point. Like I, that, it just allows them in. But what this specific thing that they want to do is, it's interesting because they don't want Apple to physically unlock the phone for them. Why not? Why can't they just do that? Like because that, that would not... be that would be they're trying to play nice, okay? So they're trying to not go over the line, and they're saying we don't want you to actually unlock the phone for us. All we want you to do is to allow us to be able to brute force our way in. So that means they want to be able to set it up to a robot that will try password after password after password yeah. after password okay. until it comes up with the right one. But right now, the way the phones are set up is there's two security scenarios. Either you've got a phone that after 10 tries will completely erase itself, yeah, in which I case they're, 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 they're like about to hit that number. Um, 
Or there's a situation where it's like after so many tries, you have to wait. So they could be trying um, however many tries and then they have to wait the amount of time before. That's not how brute force works. Brute force, you want it to just rapid fire until it comes up with the right combination. Um, so it, it is kind of interesting. I've heard so many people say it's not a pro like, okay, this one case, this one case, this one mm -hmm. case. That's how it always starts. Do it's like if we all just sit here, I understand. And, and this is what the government does. They find a case where no one cares and no one's going to stand up for the, the rights or um, uh -huh. defend but you don't this think, film. But you don't think this is like and a thing of like the greater good that like, hey, we're actually no. trying to stop, stop like home terrorism like that no. domestic terrorism like this isn't this isn't a worthy cause for this now i i understand that and i get that this is a discussion between uh national security and privacy okay. but to me and I, i'm gonna get lambasted for this but my personal feeling is if if you infringe on my rights and personal privacy then i don't care like let i give up everything okay. then because that's the most important thing to me all right. Well, I'm not sure there's ever going to be an agreement on that. I don't think it's coming anytime soon. But another big thing that happened this week that's been causing a lot of controversy, um, South Dakota is on its way to making history, but unfortunately it's on the wrong side of history because it's South Dakota. Well, at now, least they're doing something <laughs> up there. They're about to become the first state to ban trans students from using bathrooms of their choice. Now, the uh. Senate voted 20 to 15 to approve HB 1008, which would require that trans students use shower facilities and locker rooms meant for their gender given to them at birth. <sighs> now, they were like, hey, we're not just going to force you to use the men's bathroom if you identify as, as female. They're offering to provide quote, reasonable accommodation for um, trans students. Separate, separate but equal. Yeah. Ex Literally, um, which is just pretty much single occupancy bathrooms. Now, the bill was already approved by the House, so now it goes to the governor. Governor Dennis Dogard will have final say as to whether or not this passes or if he vetoes the law. Um, if he signs the bill, like I said, South Dakota will be the first state to put this into law. And there's a good chance then it's then going to go to the Supreme Court because I have a feeling a lot of these um, trans students are not going to be okay with this ruling and are going to try and take it to a higher court probably going to sue the school districts. This is going to cost lots and lots of money. But you know what? Speaking of people taking things to the Supreme Court, let's get into our first political thing. Saturday, the Supreme Court lost an incredible justice. At the age of 79, Anthony Scalia passed away in his sleep during a hunting trip in Texas. Scalia was a conservative justice who was appointed by Reagan. So, I mean, he'd, he'd been on the court for a very long time. And he was often criticized by Democrats for his stances on abortion and minority rights. Um, social issues were, were a bit of a hang-up for him. Yeah. Um, but what he's most known for are his stances on the Fourth Amendment and privacy. Um, he had well-known opinions and dissents about things like DNA swabs, mandatory DNA swabs for prisoners, uh, warrants for drug dogs. So, like, making sure that drug dogs can't just be, like, rolling by your apartment door and, like, oh, we smell weed, ah, probable cause. Uh, GPS trackers. He was completely against the idea of the FBI being able to go onto your property and put a GPS tracker on your car without a warrant. Um, 
And thermal energy tracking things. So like sweeps, random sweeps over just random places to see what places were warmer and maybe actually uh, growing marijuana <laughs> in their homes. Um, but now with eight justices and no deciding vote, it falls on Obama to appoint the next justice. Not the Republicans have anything to say about that. Exactly. So the way the system works is he appoints and then the Senate must approve and Republicans like Majority Leader and full-time troll Mitch McConnell <laughs> are threatening to simply ignore Obama's appointment. Like, so he's going to appoint constitutional well, It's right. the craziest like, he thing. He literally has to do this. They're like, oh, yeah, no, we're just not going to hold hearings. We're going to pretend like he totally didn't appoint anyone. Okay. And then it will roll over to the next president to choose the justice. It's ridiculous. And and there's been a lot of backlash about statements like that. I think Chuck Grassley was another one and now he's backtracking and they're like, "No, no, no. Of, of course we'll hold hearings. We're not that crazy." Um They just won't confirm whoever he appoints then. Is I mean, that the plan? I think that the bottom line is if Obama appoints someone that is of a caliber to where they have no choice. I think it just if it's someone where they have no choice mm -hmm. but to appoint him. But if he appoints anyone who has even the smallest thing They're that they can like latch on to, on that and like it's done. It. Someone who most certainly does not want Obama having that choice made his own headlines this week. Jeb Bush. He actually made some pretty big news this week and became the laughing stock of the internet after he um tweeted out a photo of a gun that had his name engraved in it with the caption, America. Mm -hmm. Because in his mind, or whoever runs his PR, or whoever runs his social, that's what America stands for. Turns out, in fact, America was not amused. Uh, he started trending on Twitter for all the wrong reasons, with people posting their own photos of things that they felt represent America. My personal favorite was the hot dog with a red, white, and blue toothpaste, which I believe is Aquafresh. <laughs> yes, Aquafresh. Yes, I throwback. I did used to love that shit. Um, so many other people had shit to say. Edward Snowden just was like, yo, dude, you should delete your account. I mean, he probably should at this point. He's just become a joke. Uh, the Brady campaign to prevent gun violence had a tweet, um, America, where hashtag gun violence kills 33,000 people per year. Thank you for the reminder. And they said this to Jeb Bush, of course. Um, honestly, I felt like it was just like a really desperate, desperate, desperate attempt at trying to come off as a conservative. And it just failed. And now he just looks like a joke. I'd, he can do nothing right in his campaign. I actually almost feel bad for him. Well, it's interesting that this is the uh, Twitter disaster he's in. He he's not even a gun owner. Like this, it, I guess I think this was a gift, and this yeah, would be like his he, first gun. He wanted. He was like, when they, first off, when someone asked him about it, he didn't even realize the tweet was like trending. Like oh. he didn't realize it like had backfired. And he's like, oh well, like it was a gift, and I just want to show that these gun factories bring like jobs to the U.S. I'm like, oh mm. damn. Maybe you should have made that your caption instead of just America. Also, like, not to detract from the actual issue here, but I do find it super weird that Jeb Bush didn't own a gun. But now there's an island north of America that wants you to put your money where your mouth is. All right, um, I like that. Cape, <laughs> throw Breton, it up, throw it up. Cape Breton Island, which is located off the coast of Maine and Nova Scotia, wants to be your new home. Um, when you visit their actual tourism site, okay, it says, Hi, Americans. Hello Donald to you too. <laughs> <laughs> Donald Trump may become president of your country. 
if that happens and you decide to get the hell out of there, might I suggest moving to Cape Breton Island? Wow. Um, oh my God. <laughs> is I it, kind of love that. I love I love it, except for the, like, no one's going to do that. I'm sorry. Like, if I'm leaving America, if I'm really going to leave, first of all, I'm not going to Canada. Sorry. Second of all, um, I'm going somewhere warm. Mm. Like, I'm not moving to, like, Greenland or Canada. In the meantime, the lines between Canada and the U.S. are becoming more and more blurred. Um, People can't even seem to figure out which is which. Um, (laughs) Yeah, well, especially Marco Rubio, apparently, because he recently featured Vancouver in a political ad about returning to mourning in America um, Mm. while this beautiful shot of Vancouver with a boat that actually has a Canadian flag is driving by. Yeah, so. Another reason why Americans might want to get the fuck out of America and, I don't know, move to Canada would be because there's a 14% rise in the number of hate groups operating in the USA during the past year. Um, This follows two years where we actually saw the number of extremist groups dropping, but now we're back up. The Southern Poverty Law Center published an annual report on extremism and hate groups in America, and they found that uh, radical conservative groups are up from 784 to 892, and black separatist groups, which I didn't even know was like still popping in the streets. I didn't even know that was still going on. Um, they're up from 113 groups to 180. Now, the SPLC, um, they're saying the rise in black separatist groups is probably can be linked to like the police police killings of black men that have been getting right. a lot of press lately. While the conservative groups, um, they're kind of blaming the rhetoric of like people like Donald Trump. In fact, Trump actually landed on the cover of the report. So Aww. congrats to Trump getting magazine covers everywhere. <laughs> you know, good job. So proud of you there. But, you know, good or bad, Trump can't seem to stay out of the spotlight, kind of like Kanye West, which actually brings us to our entertaining things. Another reason Kanye was in the news this week was uh, his latest drums with Tay-Tay. Um, if you don't know about that, look it up. I don't feel like talking about it. But none of that was the weirdest thing he did. Um, that honor goes to his bizarre Twitter rant about his debt. Um, oh, yeah. Apparently... He has $53 million in personal debt, and he wants Facebook's Mark Zuckerberg to bail him out. On Sunday, Wes tweeted, <laughs> makes me laugh, I'm sorry. Mark Zuckerberg, invest $1 billion into Kanye West ideas. Mm. Okay. What are um, they, though? Well, we, we're not sure. Oh, okay. Uh, but, you know, you might also, your other question might be, why would Zuckerberg consider this request? Like, why would he just give a billion dollars to why Kanye? Why wouldn't you want to work with Kanye? Well, of course. That's my question. That's also <laughs> apparently Kanye's stance because he tweeted, after realizing he is the greatest living artist and greatest artist of all time. Um, so I guess that's why Zuckerberg oh, okay. would just okay, give okay, a billion okay. dollars. I get it. Um, I don't know. This is so strange, and I, I can't even like wrap my head around it. I think what might be going on is since uh, he made Taylor, which is were the statements he made that I want to talk about earlier. Oh yeah, he pretty much in his maybe. New song. I think he <laughs> sees this now 
as like some bizarre like rich person pay it forward like he made Taylor now Mark Zuckerberg oh. gives him a billion dollars oh I like that I yeah. like that theory I hadn't I hadn't thought of that one yet um you know at this point honestly Kanye's tweets are beginning to lose their shock value because he just <laughs> is saying random shit every single day but you know who still manages to keep the world on its toes almost 20 years in the music industry still Beyonce of course. Now, last week, we weren't able to talk about her new video, Formation, and that made me very, very sad, but don't worry. It's still in the news this week. We weren't censored. We just weren't here. I know. I just to be clear about that. <laughs> now, if for some reason you haven't seen it, I don't even know how that's possible, but whatever. It's pretty much on its way to replacing um, Lift Every Voice and Sing as the Black History Month National Anthem. I'm starting that petition starting right now. So feel free really? to sign in. I just want to point Obama. out that I sent it to you. I saw it first. Long story. I was up on a hill hiking, so I didn't have service. I couldn't see it. But okay. I watched it a million times afterwards, so I still win, Jenny. Fuck off. I can't believe you brought that up. Anyway, now the video is beautiful, okay? It's like has so much strong imagery. She's commenting on black violence, on, on police killings. She's um, bringing this like... It's just beautiful. Everything about it is amazing. But of course, some haters, aka some white people, no offense, Jenny, um, they were upset by the video and they were upset at the fact that she had done this performance during the Super Bowl. Old white man, Mayor Giuliani, came on TV and was pretty much saying this whole thing was anti-police, yada, yada, yada. And, you know, some people really decided to take to the streets and create an anti-Beyonce protest outside of the NFL um, headquarters on Tuesday. Unfortunately for them, they were not able to get information. In fact, actually only three people showed up. So oh. that was kind of sad. But you know who did show up? Um, people who love Beyonce, people, Black Lives Matter protesters came by, um, part fans from the Beehive, um, media outlets. Everyone was there except for the people that were actually supposed to be protesting Beyonce. So once again, she proves that she is unstoppable and it's a waste of fucking time to go against her. Anyways, in other female empowerment news, ABC appointed the first African-American network head in U.S. Hey, history this week. Black History Month is popping this year. <laughs> What's up? Channing Dungy will be the network's entertainment president and she has helped develop hits like Scandal and How to Get Away with Murder. And I hate to even bring this up, but it makes me super sad. I've seen a lot of people talking about this saying, oh, because of Oscar's so white and all the... And what? Yeah. I've, I've Wait, honestly... I haven't... I didn't know that was what... I, what? I saw like ignorant white people online saying things like that. And I mean, this woman is so well known for the work that she's done and how she's advanced that network that to even suggest that just made me kind of nauseous. Okay. okay. Actually, there was another woman making headlines this week. And that was for being Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Issue's first curvy cover model. Oh. That was an odd reaction. We'll, we'll get to that. <laughs> um, Ashley Graham graces the coveted cover, but she's only the second plus size model ever to be in the issue. So the fact that she's on the cover is a really big deal. Um, yeah, here's the thing about that. The big deal part. I actually don't think this is a big deal. And I think it's odd that we are like, this is making headlines. Because for me, like, and I don't want to take away from her accomplishment, like amazing, cool, you got the cover, nice. Now we know that um, someone who's not a size two can land on the cover of Sports Illustrated. 
But I'm just like, at the end of the day, this is just another cover with someone in a, in a bikini. Like, I don't really see, like, okay, great, now I know women of all shapes and sizes can be objectified by men. Like, I don't really oh, see shit. why this is such a big deal for me. I don't think it's, like, I don't, who's even reading these magazines anyway? Like, well, no one's, uh, let's, let's be clear, no one's reading. Okay, whatever. But, like, I guess the idea that, like, oh, my God, this is going to do, like, work wonders for women's confidence, and now we know we can be any shape and size. It's like, oh, now we know that we can... Just the only way men are going to look at us is if we're in bikinis. I mean, I totally see what you're saying. And I actually, in general, kind of agree with you about this idea that like, when something like this happens and we make a big deal out of it, it almost makes it like gimmicky. Yeah. Like it's not actually let's let's take away the objectification and the men and the swimsuit aspect of it. When you celebrate something that should be normal, you're only making it seem less normal. Yeah. So. I don't know. I was a little I was a little turned off by this. Or not by not by her being on the cover. Cool. I just thought it was really weird that like people were acting like this is gonna shake up the world. Like, there's no turning back now that a curvy girl's on it. I'm like, okay, whatever, dude. Not that serious. Like, chill the fuck out. Whatever. Now, I'm clearly not gonna be reading Sports Illustrated anytime soon, but let me tell you what I will be reading, and I'm so excited. Grantland 2.0, baby! At 6.41 a.m., February 17th, Bill Simmons posted a tweet that gave my life meaning oh. again, and it was beautiful. And he announced that he has a new site coming out called The Ringer, and it's literally Grantland 2.0. It's the exclusive home to all of his written material. Um, he's brought back some former Grantland staffers. I'm so excited. I'm just waiting for Rembert Brown to announce that he's going back to The Ringer. He was one of my favorite writers on Grantland. Yeah. This is like the, this is, I don't think I'm saying like, my life has been Seriously, I've been lonely without that. But it's Brandon. not launching for a while, right? I think it's coming out, I believe it was this spring. This spring. So okay. I can, it is launching soon. Don't don't you dare try and take this I away thought it from was me. like spring 2018. No, I'm just No, kidding. what? I'm like, fuck, don't do, don't give me a heart attack. No, it's coming out kidding. in spring, man. I've got something to live for again. But I see, I see you didn't feel the same way. Now, personally, it was almost too good to be true, and I almost couldn't believe my eyes. But it's happening. But whatever. Let's just get into the rest of things we can't believe are things. Yeah. So my thing I can't believe is a thing uh, comes to us from the United Kingdom. Okay. And it's weird, man. I I'm still people. okay. There's a part of me who still doesn't believe this is real. Okay. I've seen it on multiple sites, so I'm just going with it. There is a new show called Dogs Might Fly. What does that um, mean? And it, it's coming out at the end of this month. Okay. And it legit tries to see if rescue dogs can fly planes. Yep. How would a dog fly a plane? Well, they're sending the dogs. Am I being stupid? They're sending the dogs to flight school to be trained to fly a this single like jet plane. A Disney movie, like Air um, Bud. But like literally, <laughs> what's weird about it? So I guess they like go through these, you know, you you, you train the dog, and dogs are so smart, and uh, no, whatever. dogs are not that and smart. Then, what are they talking and then about? They may or may not be able to fly this plane. And then I'm a little confused on what the actual goal is. I I don't understand if it's like to figure out what which of the twelve dogs <laughs> is the best at potentially flying a plane. This is animal torture. These dogs are going to crash and die. I know the stress of this. But here's the good news. Here's the good news. Uh, I was trying to figure out, like, what's the prize? Well, at the end, the dog will be given to a loving home because they're all rescue dogs. 
this is the dumbest. <laughs> this is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Listen, I've heard for a long time and that those big planes can fly themselves. Whatever, man. So. But that's okay. That's dumb and weird. But yet again, I have something I think can even talk that. Brace yourself, okay? Apparently, researchers at Guinness World Records are on the hunt for the world's largest ding-dong. And by ding-dong, I mean penis, because yes, I am a oh, child. Oh, I thought you meant the cake dessert. Nope, I meant like they're actually searching for the guy who's, who's fucking packing. Got it. In the pants area. Now, a writer at New York Magazine, she got leaked a listserv posting about a Guinness World Records researcher looking for academic reports on exceptionally large male uh, genital organs. Uh. Um, so far, I, I don't know if they've got any takers, but unfortunately, they are not accepting um, applications from the public. So <laughs> you're, you're going to have to keep your dick pics to yourself. They don't want them. They want only like academic. Like you need to go to a doctor and and do research on it. and then you Stop can go it. To them. Yeah. Because <laughs> if they didn't put that they in, do you know how like- many guys are going to be like, oh, shit, I got this. Let me go to the bathroom real quick. <laughs> uh, I'm going to leave it there okay. so I don't have to talk about this anymore because I may die. Um, <laughs> but to get more information on these topics and others, we didn't get a chance to discuss. I don't even want to say this right now. This seems terrible. This seems like we're definitely going to get dick pics. Follow us on social at More of the Things. Yeah, send them in. No. Just kidding, don't. I actually really uh, don't want to see them. But really, we're lonely. We love you. Talk to us. 